0: I love you. You guys are fantastic. Unique
1: by nature. Good morning, everyone. This is Shoy with Dimple Times Radio, and we are here with Rick Patterson in the garden. Online
0: and on your mobile device. Mm. It's sexy.
1: Hi, this is Rick Patterson with In the Garden with Rick. A few years ago, I wrote a series of children's novels, 415 Raspberry Pickets, a group of a a boy that moves in with his family, with his uncle and housekeeper, and he finds out they're witches, and he has the ability to speak to trees and plants. There's an evil entity that wants to kill all plant life on earth, and they use magical herbs and go on great adventures to fight the, the bad guys. They're vampires, they're ghosts, they're witches. It's 415 Raspberry Picket, .com Welcome to In the Garden with Rick. We're happy for you to join with us today. If you ever miss an episode, you can uh, listen to us on Dimple Time's radio their podcast and Max, how many podcasts are there now? I have no clue. Twenty some we've been doing this <laughs> since what, May? I I
0: I yeah, there are 20-some, but I, I, I couldn't tell you exactly, and, and uh,
1: sorry, I forget. <laughs> well, as always, we hope to entertain you, cause you to chuckle, and you can learn a little bit about gardening. So we're glad that you're here today. And um, I was walking the other day. I love chai tea, and on my walk, I went by that coffee house over there on Soda Street, and they had a frozen pumpkin chai tea. So you got... You got the chai which is tea and chai has a lot of spices in it cinnamon and nutmeg and all these different spices and then they had pumpkin and they made it sugar-free and fat-free and it was really good. Hmm. So I guess I could say it was all plant uh,
0: plant-based. I have to unfortunately I went last week and what I got probably wasn't as nutritious. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well wow, different times I've been at coffee house, you get the stuff with all the whipped cream and yeah, the, all of the, the goodies and it cream. I mean you can get
0: fat free whipped cream too, but uh-huh. the coffee shops don't normally have it. But yeah. that was nothing compared to probably the amount of sugar that was in the bottom part of the uh <laughs> <laughs> But the frozen part sounds good. I, I like the frozen drinks. Did you say frozen or cold?
1: Fro it was frozen. Okay. Santa Valley Coffee? Yeah, I don't know what the name of the place is.
0: They're by the railroad tracks. Yeah. Yeah.
1: There we go. You were talking about the train. This has nothing to do with plants or gardening, but <laughs> the conductor leaned out the window, and he had a skeleton mask on, and he waved at me. I thought it was a little bit creepy. You mean here, here in Circleville? Yeah. When I was walking yesterday, I had my frozen <laughs> chai pumpkin thing, drink. And he, as the train went by, here's the conductor, or the engineer with a uh, skeleton mask. Oh, you should have got a picture. That's hilarious. <laughs> it went by too fast. I thought, isn't that kind of creepy? No, it is, but that's what makes it fun. (laughs) And it's not even Halloween yet. I guess it's Halloween month. That's right. Hey, if they can celebrate
0: Christmas for two months, you can celebrate Halloween for one month, right?
1: That's true. That's true. Well, when I got home last night, there was a knock on the door. And there was a man and his two sons there, which really surprised me. And they helped me with my greenhouse, which I was deeply appreciative. Well, that's very nice of them. Yes, it was. And it was Max and his two sons. Max and Goof and and I don't know what Max is. No Max is the son. Never mind. They were very polite, hard workers, just really fine young men. It's hard to find those anymore, you know. Another. This isn't really uh, garden related either, but it's nature related. Um, William Shatner played Captain Kirk.
0: <laughs>
1: He's going to go up in Bezos' um, Blue Origin spaceship. It's not going to go in Earth orbit but it's going to go up 666 miles to the edge of space. So Captain Kirk, William Shatner, is actually at 90, is actually going to get to go to space. Well,
0: I mean, if you're 90 years old, I mean, how much more career are you going to have? Maybe another 10 years. (laughs) I don't know. What Betty, uh, 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 who's the actress? that uh, Betty Betty White. Betty White. I mean, she went strong into her mid-90s or something. I, I don't hear about her quite as much, so I don't know if there were... Uh, right, any health, health issues there or anything, but, you know, hey, what the heck, 90, and you started your career, your big hit was in space. Why not
1: actually go to the edge of space? Mm-hmm. Which I, I think he goes just into space, right? right. Uh-huh. Okay. It's only like a 15-minute ride. When I was a teenager, I had a reflector telescope, and I made my own camera, and, and then I would take pictures of star trails and the moon and different planets, and then our bathroom had been attached to, the side of the house, years after the house was built. And, and we used it like a fruit cellar. And in the basement, there was like a little room with a door. And I used that for a dark room. I had it in larger. So I would take my own pictures of stars and the moon and things and develop it and print it. A few years ago, they launched the um, Hubble Space Telescope. And it's been repaired a couple of times by astronauts. And here recently, they, they got pictures of galaxies, a galaxy, that was like, uh, let's see, let me get the actual, I got it it written down here, 13 billion miles away. They took a tiny sliver of sky, and they aimed a telescope at that sky, and in that tiny sliver, there were over 100 galaxies with hundreds of thousands of stars in each galaxy, and they were able to see this far-off galaxy, and they think that galaxy was formed not long after the universe started, when the universe was started. And the interesting note is, there is no
0: Rick Patterson or in the garden with Rick in any of those galaxies.
1: Oh, <laughs> well, who knows? Who knows? But it took, it's taken 13.7 billion years for that light to reach earth at the speed of light. I, I just find that fascinating. It is uh, there. I love space. And it's, I guess it's in, it's in the constellation called camp. Lop Ardalius. Camp Lop Ardalius. in Latin. I guess it means giraffe. And it's a very faint constellation. I had never heard of that constellation. And I guess it's kind of hard to see because it's faint. Of course, you can't see the galaxy with your naked eye because it's so far away. But I think it's the oldest galaxy they've ever found, over 13 billion years old. Very cool.
0: And our sponsor of this segment is actually Rick's Books, 415 RaspberryPicket.com. And Rick's going to tell you about book one real quick.
1: The first book is Seven Sacred Seeds. When eight-year-old Derek hears a cabbage say hello in the grocery store, he's sure he's losing his mind. He's just moved in with his eccentric Uncle Rubus. Maybe his uncle's weirdness is contagious. Book one is available at raspberrypicket.com. We'll be back in a moment. Welcome back in the Garden with Rick. Uh, We were talking about uh, stars and galaxies. There's a term called photoperiodism. And what that means is that some plants will set the buds, flower buds, when the nights get longer and the days get shorter. Most plants are the other way. They need more sun to bloom. But plants like um, mums, asters, Christmas cactus... They need that in poinsettia at Christmas time. They, they need that. There's longer nights and shorter days to set flower buds. So they kind of do opposite than what most plants do, which I find kind of interesting.
0: Yeah, I never heard that one before. That's wild. Photo
1: periodism. So
0: they like more darkness.
1: They like more darkness. Interesting. Mm-hmm. To get the red in the poinsettia, you have to have a lot of darkness or they won't form the red color. Christmas cactus won't set buds until the days are shorter and the nights are longer, and it's the same with mums hmm. and, and asters. I never realized asters had that, but uh, they do too. This time of year, you hear crickets, you know, that chirping of a cricket, and that has always meant crickets. When you hear crickets, it means fall is near or fall is here. They like to come into the house when it gets cold, and that, that chirping noise they make is their mating call to track other crickets and I think we hear more because they're moving into the house when it gets cold they used to say that the crickets rub their legs together and make that chirping noise but now they're saying that they're they're actually rubbing their wings together and an interesting fact was um, crickets ears are on the knees of their front legs next time I see a cricket I'm gonna have to look a little closer in our country crickets are always considered good luck in Asia they put them in little cages and bring them into the house. I was looking at some pictures today of all the cute little cages they keep crickets in. In Brazil, it means rain is uh, coming. In Barbados, it means you're going to get some money when you hear the crickets. But in some cultures, the chirping of crickets in the house means that someone's going to die. It's announcing a death. The frequency of the chirps and how long the chirps are depend on the temperature. And that's another reason people feel that You hear them more in the fall because it's cooler, and the chirps are kind of a longer in duration. And Max, everywhere I walk around town, I can see lots of fall and Halloween decorations. I see a lot of these big blow-up ghosts and witches, and I can't really say I'm a big fan of that. You know, you've seen them. They got them at Christmas, as big old balloon-like things in the yard. And then when the air gets cold, they deflate, and they look like they're all dead, a couple of years ago, I saw a house over on Soda Street, and it was all decorated with plastic horse, cat, dog, and lots and lots of human skulls. Got the crickets there, do you?
0: Yeah, I found some crickets here. <laughs> That's
1: the, the male crickets trying to get him a girlfriend by chirping. One of the decorations I have seen is a guy. There's a guy, uh, they have a dummy sitting in a rocking chair with a beard, and I'm assuming he's a dummy. <laughs> he's sitting there every day. Now, personally, as a gardener, I like the more natural look with fall decorations. I like plenty of mums, grasses, pansies, lots of squash, gourds, and I am especially enjoy the um, warty, knobby pumpkins. there's like all these growths on the outside of them. You've seen those? Yep. And then there's one that has like, it looks like peanut shells on it, on the outside of it. And I was reading that's actually a, a delicacy in France. They make like a soup out of it. You see those with like the peanut yeah. shells on the outside. Still kind of look gross. <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> and then it's always fun to see people taking the corn and decorating. When I was a kid growing up, we had a neighbor named Miss Minnie and they had a garden on the hill behind us and they would put their corn in the corn shocks Because in the olden days, before they had machinery, they'd put the corn in shocks so the corn would dry, get it off the ground and dry, so then they could harvest it. And as a kid, we'd go in there and play inside those corn shocks. It was like a little teepee. Hmm. And, of course, you can still see that today. The Amish do it. I've seen them down there around Tarleton. The Amish put in the corn in shocks like that. You ever seen that down there? To dry them out. Yes, to dry it out. And I always enjoy seeing the Indian corn and the orange bittersweet. I have a secret location somewhere in Pickaway County. It's an old graveyard, and that's where I get my, uh, get my bittersweet. And it's by hanging bittersweet on the door, it's supposed to protect you from evil. Today's sponsor is Rick Patterson's trilogy, 415 Raspberry Picket. The second book in the trilogy is The Curse Seed. Using the mystical power of ancient Hopewell Indian Lunar Observatory, Young Derek and his Uncle Rubus discover an ornate copper box deep within an Indian burial mound of a long, dead shaman. Book two is available at 415 raspberrypicket.com. And we'll be back in a moment. Come back in the garden with rick and today we're talking about fall decorations a lot of people use the blow-up dolls and the plastic and the artificial bones and things the the the, the blow-up dolls well blow-up well i guess you'd call them blow-up <laughs> <laughs> no, not that kind of blow-up doll <laughs> they're, they're they're actual characters or you
0: know ghost or right or not really a Doll, per well, they're se. big dolls.
1: Yeah. Well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We don't have that kind of decoration, do we? No no, no. no. All right. Well, I like the more natural. You know, like I was saying, I like the corn, the the, the Indian corn, the multicolored Indian corn, and the corn husk and the mums. Now, for many years, I didn't care for the orange lights, but I've warmed up to them because on a cold October day, those warm lights just give you this warm glow. You ought to see all the lights the kids put out on the front of our
0: house, the kids and my wife. I mean, they just, poof. Uh, it's it's basically all the lights we had before for retail purposes. Well, hey, let's use them to decorate the house now.
1: So I mean, isn't it nice, that nice warm orange glow, isn't it nice? It is. It's, it's very pretty. Yeah, like I said, for many years, I never really liked them, but I, I've changed my mind. I'll tell you this,
0: Halloween lights are much nicer to put up and take down then Christmas lights are to put up and then take down in January when it's freezing outside and there's snow on the ground. Mm -hmm. Or you can be
1: like some neighbors I have and just leave them up 300 and some days a year. My dad did
0: that when I was younger. He'd put the Christmas lights on the roof, and I guess once he got them up, he wouldn't go and take them down.
1: (laughs) My dad used to get upset with me because we lived on a very small street that no one ever came down and he got mad because it was costing him too much money electricity. But back then, it was the great big Christmas lights. It
0: was. And the, and those things really sucked down the energy.
1: So, yeah. And Dad wasn't happy when I put holes in the porch. And, or we well. forgot and left the lights on. Woo. Yeah. yeah. Even those little lights will do that. You know, like we talked last week, you can put pots of mums, pansies, grasses, coral bells, flowering kale and cabbage. That all really looks nice as fall decorations on your porch. And there are many great flowers, that perennials and annuals, that will bloom in the fall. Aconite, monk's hood, another name is wolf's bane. Um, these are in the Harry Potter books and films. They grow about four foot tall, and they have like a little helmet on the top of them. That's where they get the idea of a monk's cap, like the old friars. So are,
0: are these tropical-style
1: plants? Or are they something you can grow here in Ohio? Oh, they're, or? They're, yeah, they're hard. They bloom like in October. Okay. Yeah, I know in in Trick or Treat, I used to tell the kids that this flower, this monk's hood, or aconite was used to protect you from werewolves. And the kids always liked that, you know, on Halloween. They always liked my yard. And talking about werewolves, I remember a few years ago, there was a story about uh, a werewolf in London, Ohio. They even made a TV show about it. I'm sure it's like the Bigfoot down in the hockey holes. (laughs) Uh. (laughs) And there's a, a... a ground cover called plume- plumbago, and it's um it has bright blue flowers, and then in the fall the foliage turns red and a lot of times it continues the bloom so you got the blue flowers and the red leaves the the round bank used to have them planted around they've dug them up since but and then there's a non hardy version of it too that grows like a semi vine and I have a white and a blue of, of that
0: so at the round bank was that like before it was chase? or yeah. Okay, I was going to say, because
1: since I've been in the area, I don't remember yeah. that. But. but, you know, what's so fascinating about in the fall, the leaves turn out real bright red, and, and they'll still have those blue blooms on it for a while. And it's such a beautiful contrast They have the blue and the red together. There's also a, a little plant that's underused called a toad lily. And they have these star-shaped, small, spotted flowers, usually in purple or blue. And they're, that's more of a shade plant. Uh, it's really pretty. And for some reason, they're very easy to grow. And you just don't see them a lot. And then I mentioned autumn crocus or saffron. There's other kinds of autumn crocus that bloom in the fall, not the spring. And I recently just planted 80 of them. And they'll multiply through the years. I like the annual salvia. The big salvia gets a four or five foot tall and it comes in pink. There's one that's black and they call black and blue because the flowers are blue and black. And there's red ones, and they're, they're really a nice. They're hard to find, too, but the annual salvia. This part of our show is sponsored by Rick Patterson's books, 415 Raspberry Picket. The third book of the trilogy is The Seed of the Wormwood. In an abandoned lighthouse miles from shore, the dark master meets with his henchmen to plan their final battle, Desperate to regain ownership of his Hopewell Indian copper box and the mysterious items within. You can learn more about this and buy the books at 415RaspberryPicket.com. We'll be back in a moment. Welcome back in the garden with Rick. Today we're talking about flowers that bloom in the fall annuals and perennials. Perennials are plants that come back every year, and annuals just have a short life for that one season. Um, We've talked about um, sedum. I always thought sedum was too coarse of a a plant, but I've learned to like it. They call it stonecrop, and it's in pinks and reds, and it's very popular. You see it all over the place. It has big, fleshy leaves then has these clusters of red and pink flowers on top of them and they're kind of pretty after they bloom just to leave, leave them out in the in the garden for winter interest you you, you familiar for, with? for winter what interest interesting they're interesting to look at so they stay well the plant and the leaves and the dried flower heads huh i'm not even for sure I, I, what it looks like so i'll have to look it up i'm sure if you saw it you'd wreck it because everybody it's everywhere. It's an old-fashioned type plant. In later years, they've used they've they there's black ones and variegated leaf ones, so they've they've kind of spiced them up a little bit. But and there's different kinds of sedum. I'm talking about the old-fashioned sedum that um, that you see in a lot of gardens. Of course, there's the goldenrod. There's Joe pieweed and ironweed. Um, they're tall. Actually, those are wildflowers, but people are putting in more in their garden. Uh, they have purple flowers. A lot of people get the Joe Pie weed and the ironweed mixed up because they both have purple flowers. One blooms before the other. Asters is a wonderful, uh, a wonderful flower. When I walk on the nature trail, I have loved to see the golden, the yellow goldenrod and the blue or purple asters growing together. Sadly, there aren't as many asters this year because people have mowed them down. Now, the asters that you can buy in the store, you can get them in different colors. You can get blue, purple, red. Asters, a lot of times, aren't long-lived. I think it depends on your climate, but they have a kind of a spicy smell to them, and it's a great addition to your... A lot of times, people will put these uh, asters in their pots with their mums and things on the porch. Japanese anemone is another plant that you don't see a lot of. There's anemones that bloom in the spring. They're bulbs, but these are the Japanese anemones. are more of a perennial plant, and usually you can get them in pink and white. Snapdragons is an annual, but it does well. It'll take it's like pansies and mums. It'll take a light frost and still bloom. A lot of times in our climate anymore, we may not get a hard frost until first of November. So these are great plants to have. Now I was reading. Uh, a site from an organization called Backyard Birds, and this was their checklist. Birds like to have brush piles in the wintertime to go into so they can kind of stay warm and get out of the weather. You should take down and clean out and empty your birdhouses, get them ready for next spring. You should have a, a refill of water. Running water is better, but that's kind of hard to do in the wintertime to have running water. And clean your, your, your feeders out And make sure they're kept full and you want to keep the squirrels out of your feeders. Now, I'm not much of a bird feeder because I I always had animals, pets, and I, I didn't want any disease from the birds. I didn't want my dogs to get in anything that the birds may have. But if you live out somewhere like you do, Max, you could easily put the bird feeders out and wouldn't have to worry about that. Oh, yeah, we have them out. And it's important that once you start feeding the birds to continue because they learn where to come and well definitely when it comes time for winter because
0: they have other sources of food in the summer spring fall not as much
1: in this early spring and late fall but winter time yeah they need it we have a in my yard we have a lot of roses Sharon and when a cardinal moves into your property they just tend to stay there for years their families they breed there and the family will just stay there and they love the um, cardinals. Love those roses Sharon seeds. I've read that roses Sharon seeds are full of oil, and it's really good for the birds. Actually, any kind of wildflower or flower in your garden, it's, it's best to leave them because they will eat the seeds, like the cone flowers and different things, the goldenrod seeds. They will. They like that food all winter long. A lot of people think the flowers look messy after they got done blooming. They get done blooming, they chop them down. But it's good to leave those flowers in your yard so the birds can eat the seeds. Today's sponsor is my books, 415 Raspberry Picket Trilogy. I had gone to a... Um, I was invited to go to a park where they were salvaging wild plant wildflowers because they were going to put a bike trail through and destroy them. So I got me some pretty rare plants, a couple of rare wildflowers. And then it made me think, what if something... What if all the wildflowers in the world started disappearing? So I wrote my books, 415 raspberrypicketcom A boy moves in with his uncle, and the housekeeper, he finds out he's witches. They find He finds out that he has the ability to speak to uh, plants, and they go on an adventures and try to save the world from the evil entity that's trying to kill all plant life. 415 raspberrypicketcom
0: This edition of In the Garden with Rick is part of Dimple Times Radio,
1: an RTD media broadcast. To read more by Rick, be sure to pick up a copy of the Dimple Times newspaper, which is distributed on newsstands in Fairfield, Pickaway, Ross, and Fayette counties on the second and fourth Thursday of each month. You can also read more articles by Rick at dimpletimes.com. Online and on your smartphone. Unique by nature.